Good morning, New City. No, I am not Pastor Ray. He doesn't have as much hair as I do <laughs> on, his, on his face. I am Jonathan Bissick. I am uh, the newest addition to the New City family. I am uh, the new lead pastor for our campus that is being planted in Olathe. Yes, so I'm super excited about that. Uh, we had our first gathering on February 25th, and we had about 75 of us. We uh, Everybody asks, where do you meet in Olathe? We actually meet in neighborhoods. We meet in several, four, four current neighborhoods and two more are on the way. And then we'll gather again at the end of this month. And we'll actually have a Saturday Easter service. So I'm super excited about what God's doing. Olathe is 140,000 people and 49% of them have never heard the gospel. That's 70,000 people that need Jesus in Olathe. And so if God moves on your heart to be a part of the mission, we would not say no to you. Um, Pastor Ray might say no to you, but I won't say no. No. So he's out of town. He said, I could say whatever I wanted today. So if you're watching, I just invited all your people to come with me. So (laughs) I am here to talk to you today about marriage. So uh, kind of a fitting week for me because next Thursday, my wife and I celebrate 21 years of marriage. So I'm a 21-year-old married person, so I can talk a little bit about marriage. That's about the halfway mark, I think is what I'm told. Uh, My parents crossed the 50-year mark uh, just two years ago. And so I have a good example in front of me. Uh, my wife was here first service. She's not here this service. We have six kiddos. Uh, Jen is my wife. And then Lorelai, my 18-year-old. Thomas, my 13-year-old. Eve and John David, who are both 12. Layla is nine. And Iona is seven. So we have a, a fun life. Um, when we started our church, we, we already had a full house just with our own kids. So uh, come back in two weeks. I won't be the one talking about parenting, but we will be talking about parenting. So if you want to find out today, you're going to find out how to get kids. And then a couple of weeks, we'll talk about how to take care of them. So this is the mission of marriage is what I'm going to talk to you about today. If you have your Bibles, you can hang out in Genesis chapter one and two. We're going to go to the beginning of where it all started, the framework for marriage. We're going to read there and study there today as I want to help frame this idea. Marriage is a really big topic. And Adam told me, you have 20 minutes to talk about it. <laughs> There's all these different things that you can say about marriage. Literally thousands of sermons and talks have been given on marriage. And on Thursday, I went on to Amazon just to see how many books there were on marriage. There's about 10,000 of them. So somebody's got it right and somebody's got it wrong, but both of them are making money. So um, you may have gotten a book on marriage from there. So with all this information, where do we even start? What do we even talk about? But even with all those resources available, it's important to keep talking about marriage, whether you're getting married, whether you're trying to improve on your marriage, whether you need a breakthrough in your marriage, or you just want to learn more. I hope today to challenge you in the mission that God has called all of us to. And we're going to do this by building a framework using the the Genesis verses for what I'm going to call the inward and the outward mission of marriage. Or another way I want to use today is face-to-face and side-by-side. And we'll use these kind of as our bookends as we look at marriage. But before we do, let's, let's look at this word mission. A mission is defined, just a basic definition, important, an important goal or purpose that is accompanied by strong conviction and a calling or vocation. So why call marriage a mission? Because that's exactly what God designed. He gave us a goal and a purpose 
with our marriage. He laid out a strong conviction of what marriage should look like, like it's defined in Genesis, as we'll see in a moment. Our marriage by God is a missional calling. And so we're going to see how. But before we do, I'm going to pray. God, I thank you that in your house, we're, we're not in a hurry just to say things and to move on, that we take these moments and we stop and we acknowledge your presence, God, from the beginning and into our worship. And even now as we open up your word together, God, I can say all kinds of truth today. But God, it's your word that speaks to us. And we're asking today, Jesus, that you would come in this room and you would bring breakthrough into marriages. God, you know exactly who needs to hear what I will share today. You, your word is living and active, God. It cuts past even the character of the person speaking. God, you're able to go beyond my words and get into the depth of what we need to hear today. So I'm asking you to speak to us, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen. If you're single and you're thinking about marriage or not thinking about it, you're divorced or widowed, don't tune me out because I'll raise my voice to get your attention if you fall asleep on me. No, there's something for all of us today. So please lean in. I promise I am going to focus on marriage, but there's going to be things that are going to minister to both. So let's start with this. The inward mission of marriage or face to face. What do I mean by this inward face to face? For most, the typical image of a romantic married love is a picture of a couple facing each other, eyes locked in mutual affection. Famous writer C.S. Lewis says it this way, lovers normally, fa- normally face to face, absorbed in each other's love. The inward mission of marriage involves an intimate relationship between a husband and a wife. The bond of love that they share and their commitment to one another. It's beautifully played out in one of the first songs ever recorded in the Bible. So we're going to look at it in Genesis chapter 2, starting in verse 18. Then the Lord God said, it is not good for man to be alone. I will make a helper corresponding to him. So the Lord God caused a deep sleep to come over the man and he slept. God took one of his ribs and closed the flesh at that place. Then the Lord God made the rib he had taken from the man into a woman and brought her to him. Here comes the song. And the man said, this one at last is bone of my bone and flesh of my flesh. This one will be called woman, for she was taken from the man. This is why a man leaves his father and mother and bonds to his wife, and they become one flesh. Both the man and his wife were naked and felt no shame. Woe man! Adam's first words to Eve were a serenade. This dynamic picture of marriage, this inward mission, finds a beautiful expression in Eve's first title in Genesis. She is woman. When Adam awakes from his deep sleep and finds his rib returned to him transfigured, he breaks out into a song. This at last is bone of my bone, flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. God was showing us the union of marriage was not just about usefulness, or a practical arrangement to doing task, God shows us the first husband seeing the wonders of his wife. Now, I'm not Adam in the scriptures, and I'm not Adam who stood on the stage. I'm probably not very good at singing anything to my wife, and maybe you're in the same boat. But we get the idea of the picture that's being painted, that God was, was painting this beautiful imagery, and, and you see this often at weddings, is The bride comes down the aisle and the husband's seeing her for the first time. And there's this awe and this moment that's taking place. Here standing before him is woman. Later on in other books such as Song of Solomon. This is the part if you have kids you want to close their ears for this part. 
The, the book celebrates the physical love between a man and a woman, the passionate kisses, the intimate moments they share. Then in Proverbs 5, we see described the importance of enjoying the intimate relationship with one's spouse. And Proverbs 5, 18 through 19 says, May your fountain be blessed, and may your, you rejoice in the wife of your youth. Love, a loving doe, a graceful deer, may her breast satisfy you always. May you ever be intoxicated with her love. The inward mission of marriage is also a reflection to the commitment and faithfulness that a husband and wife have toward each other. The Bible exhorts husbands to love their wives and to respect and wives to respect their husbands in Ephesians 5:33. This means putting each other's needs before our own, supporting each other through difficult times and being faithful to one another. The Apostle Paul, he describes love that should exist in a husband and wife in a similar fashion in this way in 1 Corinthians 13, 4 through 7. Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It's not proud. It doesn't dishonor others. It's not self-seeking. It's not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always preserves. The relationship between husband and wife should be a reflection of love and intimacy that exists between Christ and his church. A husband and wife, as husband and wife, we're called to love each other and cherish one another just as Christ loved and cherished his bride, the church. The inward mission of marriage lays the groundwork for your marriage to be properly on mission outwardly. And we're going to see this in just a moment. But I don't want to jump too, too quickly past this. I want, I want you to rest and hang out in this moment. And the first thing I want to say is, all of that sounds amazing. It sounds like the perfect marriage. It sounds like if all those ingredients are there, we're happily in love. And man, what a great marriage. And to be honest, Adam and Eve had that. They did. They had, you have Adam and Eve in this perfect marriage. And then you have the children that, that come from them right here. But right in the middle of that was where sin came into play. And so as much as I would love to aspire and say, these are the parts of my marriage that I hope to have. I have sin in me, you have sin in you, and we have difficulty trying to live this out. So here's a couple truths I want us to remember before we move past this inward part. If you and I want to share in this inward love for our spouse the way God intended, he, God, has to be my first priority relationship. In Genesis chapter 1 Verses 26 through 31. I want you to see this picture that's here. Then God said, let us make man in our image, according to our likeness. They will rule the fish of the sea, the birds of the sky, the livestock, the whole earth, and the creatures that crawl on the earth. So God created man in his own image. He created him in the image of God. He created them male and female. God blessed them and God said to them, be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth, subdue it, rule the fish of the sea, the birds of the sky, and every creature that crawls on the earth. And look at verse 31. God saw all that he had made. It was very good indeed. Evening came and then morning, the sixth day. I want you to notice what's happening here. At the end of chapter 1 in verse 31, notice the last three words. The sixth day. Here God creates man. He calls him to this great task of all this work that he wants him to do. But then what, what happens next? Chapter 2 opens up this way in verse 1. So the heavens and the earth and everything in it were completed. On the seventh day, God completed his work that he had done, and he rested on the seventh day from all his work that he had done. 
God blessed the seventh day and declared it holy, for on it he rested from all the works of creation. The first thing God tells Adam to do after making him was to rest. Why? Had Adam been working hard and needed rest? No. He had literally just been created. He had all this energy. He just saw this amazing woman. He had all this ability to do something. And God says, I want you to rest. The most important thing was for him to rest in his relationship with the Father. Be with me. Rest in me. If I want to share in the inward love for my spouse and the way God intended, he, God, has to be my first priority relationship. Second truth I want you to remember before we move past this is if, if I want to experience the fulfillment of the inward love that God intended, then I have to ask God to help me to not be self-centered. What do I mean? Too often we come into our marriage with these lenses. What do I get out of this? If I do this, then she gives me this, or he gives me that, or vice versa. Jen and I have watched too many couples use intimacy as a bargaining chip to get what they want. And the truth is, you and your spouse lose every time. Intimacy was never meant to be selfish or one-sided. It was meant to be a selfless act modeling by Christ, modeled by Christ and what he did and gave himself for us. I can tell you from personal experience, after 21 years, if the motive is selfless, then year after year, it only gets better. But I want you to watch and see how these build on each other. If Jesus is not the center of your life, then you can't share in the inward love that he intended. And without Jesus' help, you can't get rid of the selfish motives and experience the fulfillment of the inward love. Then you and I are unable to fulfill the mission that he has for us. For the outward mission to work, the inward mission of face-to-face love has to be working correctly. If the bond between husband and wife is strong, then they can work together to accomplish God's purposes, which leads to the other portion of our marriage mission, the outward mission of marriage or the side-by-side. Genesis 2:18 says this, Then the Lord God said, It is not good for man to be alone. I will make a helper corresponding to him. When we look at this verse, there there are two facets at work. At first glance, it appears once again that God is speaking to the inward mission of marriage, the face-to-face. When you hear God say, It is not good for man to be alone, it would be easy to assume that that not good is referring to some type of relational lack, an emotional hole in Adam's heart. But notice God's next words. I will make a helper fit for him. It also reveals Eve's second title as helper. God had given Adam and Eve an outward mission. Genesis 2.15, the Lord God took the man and placed him in the garden of Eden to work it and to watch over it. And Adam and and Eve needed the help of each other. They needed not only a face-to-face relationship, but a shoulder-to-shoulder relationship. God understood and also challenges us that relationships cannot survive on inward face-to-face mission alone. This is why, if you've ever noticed, honeymoons are not indefinite. In the book of Song of Solomon, the same guy who wrote about love and all the different facets of it and sounded amazing in his poetic words, he came up with this same phrase. He says, I am sick of love. 
Now, it could be that he had 500 wives. That would probably make anyone sick. But I think there's also something else that he's pointing to here. What was he talking about? He understood that love and intimacy, as great as they feel, can also make us sick of them, curving our appetite for each other. Think of it this way. How many of you are ice cream lovers? Anybody an ice cream lover in the room? Okay, a lot of us. Cookies, cake, whatever your, whatever your fancy is, you, you, you get to fill in the blank for this one. So you get that favorite, whatever, I'm going to use ice cream. And you make the perfect bowl and you put the chocolate syrup on it. And for me, I like to put that stuff that hardens the chocolate over it. And it's all crunchy and tastes amazing. And you eat it and it's enjoyable. The whole bowl, you don't save any. You don't let your kids have any. It's all yours. And then you're like, man, I want more of that. So then you put some more in the bowl and you put a little more chocolate in there and you start to eat it. And what happens is it's not quite the same. It doesn't have that same initial feeling you had when you first ate it because too much of a good thing becomes a bad thing. If you're wondering why your inward part of your marriage, your intimacy and your love for each other has started to wane, it could be because you've neglected the other half of the mission of marriage. The other part where you are designed for to work together for the kingdom. They have to be in balance with each other. When Eve enters the garden, she meets a man who is already on mission. He is working and keeping the garden under the authority of their maker. And then together, she and her man receive the commission to be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth and subdue it. By God's good design, the mission of the garden required not just one, but two. Not just man, but woman. I'll stop for a moment. I, as I said before, I'm going to keep pointing to the mission of marriage. But if you're in the room and you're single, divorced, or widowed, or fall into any other category, everything I'm about to say that relates to mission still applies to you. And you can partner in relationship with God and His church body. You're not meant to serve and live for Him alone. Either just like a husband and wife or not. And the church family is also your family to help fulfill the mission God has for you. Today, husband and wives do not have a literal garden like Adam and Eve had to work and to keep, but we all have a mission. Homes to manage, children to parent, churches to love and serve, jobs to work, neighborhoods to reach for Christ. Each is a garden like field to dethorn and unthistle, to plow and to sow and take dominion, and ultimately to follow Jesus' missions to make disciples that make disciples that make disciples. So the question is, how can we as couples together build something beyond ourselves for the kingdom? So I want to conclude by pointing back to the two action steps that God first gave Adam and Eve and now gives to you and I. Genesis 2.15 again, the Lord God took the man, placed him into the garden of Eden to work it and to watch over it. The first action step is he says, I want you to work it. As a husband and wife, I want you to work what I have called you to work. The gardens that I have placed you in, that I've given to you, we're called to work on a relationship with the Lord by daily abiding with Him. We're called to work on our home and make a plan for our home. First, our weekly investment into our marriage and dating and intimacy and building our relationship physically and spiritually. We're called to parent our children spiritually and emotionally and physically. And again, you can come back in a couple weeks and we'll talk about that. We're called to work as it relates to our local church. How are you supporting, loving, and serving the church? We're called to honor God with all that we do with our hands and our labors. 
How are you managing the job or the work the Lord has given you? And we're called to have the same compassion Jesus had for the distressed and the dejected mentioned in Matthew 9. How are you reaching out to your neighbors, your coworkers, your family, your friends for Christ? The second call to action he gives is to watch over it. As husbands and wives, we're called to watch over the gardens he's placed us in. God calls us to watch over and to protect our weekly investment into our marriage. He calls us to watch over and protect the children that he's given to us. He calls us to watch over and protect the church that he's called us to. How are you watching and supporting your church leaders, the love of the body and the ministries that he's called you to be a part of? God calls us to watch over and protect the job and the work that he's given our hands to do. How are we doing? How are we stewarding what he's given to us? The bottom line is this. We've all been called to the mission of marriage. It's both inward, the love we have for each other, and outward, our call to work and to watch over what has been given to us. It's not one or the other. It's both and. We must have both for our marriage to be healthy and growing. So how do we know if our marriage is on mission or not? One final verse, Genesis 1, verse 28. God blessed them, and God said to them, Be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth, subdue it. This isn't just talking about making babies. That is part of it. Y'all are quiet today. It's time change. When I have my kids in the room and I say something about making babies, I get all the giggles. Fruitfulness. He's talking about fruitfulness in your relationship with the Lord. Fruitfulness in your relationship with with each other, fruitfulness in all the areas that we just mentioned. Then he says, multiply. It's twofold. It's duplicating your relationship with the Lord by making disciples that make disciples that make disciples. I feel like you haven't heard that before here. And your relationship, it's also duplicating by having children that you raise and you care for. You in turn fill the earth, not just with numbers, but with kingdom. The bottom line is you subdue it, allowing God's mission to go forth and not the enemies. So my prayer for us today, God, help me to be fruitful by working and watching what you've placed into my hands. So God has math equations. They don't always add up the same way ours do. In fact, he adds two pluses to get two equals. And here's the equation today. Deep relationship with God one-on-one plus intimate relationship with each other, our spouse, equals great productivity in working it and watching it, which equals fruitfulness. Just probably a little over a month ago, every every year as our anniversary gets close, my wife and I kind of reflect on how our year has been and how our marriage is going. And one of the things, we just, we recognize something that when our relationship with each other is in sync and our intimacy is strong, then the outward mission becomes super easy. We're not frustrated about what's not getting done around the house or how the kids are being taken care of or how our jobs are going. But when our intimacy relationship with the Lord and each other's out of sync, then all of a sudden we start noticing what each other's not doing and what's not getting done and what's not getting taken place. And at bottom, like I couldn't figure out what was the reason. It's because God gave us an inward and an outward mission that you can't do one without the other. And we have a tendency to fall into the trap of one or the other. A lot of us, we start out really good at the inward one, 
And as the years go on and we get kids in the picture and we start getting busy with the life, then the outward one starts to become the priority. And we, we swing so far in the doing that we lose relationship with each other. And so my prayer today is that there would be a breakthrough. Maybe it's not this violent force pushed breakthrough, but just a moment of realizing, you know what? I'm not going to settle for one or the other. I'm going to do both. I'm going to walk out the mission of marriage that God has for us. Let's pray together. God, I thank you for the mission of marriage. I thank you that today, this is what you've called us to. <clears throat> that God, you laid out a plan. You laid out a path. That God, you, you desire for us to come together as a, as a representation of the relationship that we have with you. And that we get to share that with our spouse. But God, you didn't stop there. God, you gave us an outward mission that as we showed or as we worked together in the gardens that you place us in, I pray this week that you would encourage marriage. God, wherever each marriage is at, whether there's a breakthrough that needs to happen, whether there's a moment of something that you're speaking to us, God, that we would yield it, we would listen to that, we would respond to it. Those who are thinking about marriage or thinking about their future, God, they'd be reminded that it's, it's, a bigger, it's bigger than just one relationship. God, that you have something entirely great to reach your kingdom to be advanced in our city, God, in our homes, in our nation, in the world around us. God, I thank you for the mission of marriage today. In Jesus' name, amen.